KHAN is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. K-Hen is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails. With me, your host, Forrest Whitman, and we're here in the caboose, as usual, at KHVN 106.9 on your FM dial, or podcast forever, or on iTunes, if you want to just tune in right now. And um, we've been having a wonderful time in the old caboose today, interviewing a fourth anniversary, well, it's actually more than that, but anyway, fourth plus anniversary with Leslie Matthews, our producer of this show for a long time. And um, she's back here in the caboose with me up in the head end. Pulling this train is Rick White. He's up there with his his uh, apprentice engineer, uh, Juanita. And um, I just looked up in the angel's seat up in the cupola of the caboose and there's somebody sitting up there. It's a hobo left over from last night. I guess he's going to go over to the library and give give some kind of a talk today. So, my gosh, everything's going on. And, uh, well, let's jump right back into it. We were talking about the early days. Yes, that is so funny how we, we would take a, a cell phone. We would interview somebody, put the cell phone on top of the, on top of the mic in the production studio at at the Cahan offices there. And then that's how we produced this show. Poor Leslie had to try to... Poor we Leslie had, had, we had our how, fingers how, crossed. How, how, how did you do that, Leslie? What We just had our fingers crossed that the microphone wouldn't fall off. Because if yeah. you taped it on, it didn't have the same quality of sound if you taped it on. So just balancing it, just the right balance, the right yes. way made it work. And... We just, you know, hoped that it didn't fall off. Yeah, we, very yeah. good. We had to, we couldn't put our hands on on the uh, table. No. The second you put your hand on the table, bonk, it fell off. Then you were really in trouble. You were really and, in uh, trouble. But we had some, we had some really dedicated listeners who they didn't care. They <laughs> said, "Well, we'll, we'll just wait. We'll just wait while you come back." But, well, uh, I I loved the fact, and I had nothing to do with this. It just happened one day that we altered our show from being an in-studio show to an on-location show inside the caboose. 
with the engineer actually running the train. And I yes. thought that was a wonderful innovation and it just occurred out of nowhere. And I thought, wow, all the work that must've gone into getting those location, you know, audio pieces, you know, just <laughs> in like Amazing. not easy to do. Not easy to do. Well, and not only that, um, I'm, I'm going to call Jim, Jim uh, Sobey later in, in the day here and uh, talk to him too about getting him back on because he likes to hang around in Union Station and he's finding that, that what he can do is record with a handheld pocket recorder. And I want to get that on here somehow. I don't, I don't know quite how we do that, but we'd have to get that pocket recorder tied in somehow. He, by the way, cautions us about not getting on the elevator in Union Station uh, early in the morning because it's the homeless people like to sleep in that elevator. And so there you are trying to, wow. and, but that's another whole thing because today's homeless people are different than the old time hobos because the hobos, and we've got some of them, we, we've, we need to interview more, get more interviews with hobos. Yeah, yeah, just a different group because they, uh, hobos would, would work for a while until they got tired of working <laughs> and they quit. But the point is that they um, were in a little different situation than many of today's homeless who are, are, let's face it, many are so addicted to various substances that they really can't work, you know, or uh, yeah, well, that's I a think big what you're saying. What you're saying is that the old, you know, hobo lifestyle, and I don't know how much is real and how much is, you know, lore, but the hobo lifestyle was that it was by choice that you were on the rails. Yes. You were taking a break from your, yes. you know, from, from reality. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You were taking a break versus, you know, so many homeless people today have mental health issues or addiction issues. They're not at choice in their situation. Yes. Yeah, I, I get it. Not, not that the hobos didn't drink a lot of whiskey. If they could get it, they would drink it. And that's <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly true. But um, it was it was just a different situation. And um, but anyway, and we should really clear up some of the things that were said down there. One thing that brakemen tended to kick hobos off trains and throw them off, were moving trains, et cetera. Well, first of all, at least when I worked on the railroad, we weren't gonna go back there on a, if, if it was moving anyway, we're gonna stay in the caboose. And secondly, even if we were stopped and we came upon some hobos, the most we would ever do is remind them that they were trespassing that if um, a cinder dick came by, or a sheriff for that matter, they could be th thrown off the train. They sometimes, especially in the Denver yards, which was kind of a mean yards, they could be arrested and taken in and kept overnight. That's all they did was keep, keep them overnight. But uh, that, they, that they, you know, they could be in trouble. So uh, things like that. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just remind them instead of like beating them up. Why waste our time and energy beating up some hobo? But uh, one of the cinder ducks, I think there were three of them there that night. One of them said, well, I've done that a couple of times, but it does no good. 
next day they're right back. There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. You know. Well, Forrest, Rick said that he had a story or two that he wanted to bring up. Yes. This second hour, I wanted to make sure we gave him that opportunity. Yes. What, what, Th- what thank you. Thank you. To- yeah, thank you, Leslie. I, um, uh, you know, we've uh, Zoom recorded a number of these shows. I don't know how many. Um, we, I guess we could probably go back and count them. But one that comes to mind is I was... Uh, excited and uh, I would say nervous to have Chafee County Commissioner Keith Baker as a guest and you know Forrest knows everyone in this county I'm pretty sure and um, the ones that Uh, the the ones that he doesn't know it's their loss Uh, uh, Forrest is a very special individual in our community well onward he had the uh, he had invited Keith Baker and we got it set up and we got it all going and had him on the uh, zoom screen like we have Leslie right now and we got about 20 minutes into the show and I noticed I hadn't hit the record button. <laughs> uh, uh. Commissioner Baker, um, uh, we need to start over. And uh, he was kind about it. He was a great guest. And uh, he was talking about the, uh, as I recall, the possibilities of the Tennessee pass line through this uh, trains running through this town again. Yes. How the commission was going to view that. And uh, you might say a little bit to that for us. How does the local county commission feel about train travel through this valley again? Well, they've kind of left it with the, with the people who are leasing it. Mm -hmm. And to make a presentation, to talk about two or three things. One, how to protect Browns Canyon. That's one of them. I mean, what if, what if, what if, you hate to think about it, but even though they say they're not gonna go more than 25 miles an hour, even even so, what if, what if something runs off the track? I mean, how are you gonna protect the, um, the river? And that's, that's a big question. Um, they have said they're gonna Definitely, even the new people have said they're definitely going to restrict very carefully what they haul so that anything that they haul can't be a, you know, some kind of a permanent detriment uh, to the river. And I mean, I think they can do that. Uh, they'd have I to, thought they were hauling sludge or something that was not going to be good for the river. Well, that's over in, in Utah. And that's that's a real question. They, um, you're talking about uh, uh, crude oil, yeah, and yeah, uh, it's crude oil, and uh, the uh, they are planning to haul some crude oil not through here, oh. but up through the Moffat Tunnel. Oh, I see. And it'll be interesting to see how they get permission to do that because crude oil is is nasty stuff. I mean, you have to keep it heated. It's called oily crude. Because it is oily, you know, it's 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 really a mess. It's a mess to clean up, mess to, to do anything with. It's it's uh, and it's waxy. There's all kinds of wax in there too. So they got to have a heater on the car, keep the waxy, oily, waxy oily crude in in a state where it can be liquid, where you can get it out again. Yeah. And so there there's some real questions about that because here they are pulling that up. That long, long, long grade. Next time you, next time you take the train 
oh, from say Grand Junction to Denver through that lovely scenery and all those tunnels and the Moffat Tunnel, you're suddenly aware that, boy, hauling, hauling that stuff through there, it, if, if one of them just, even at 25 miles an hour, even if a one of them goes on its side and spills a bunch of waxy crude, what are they going to do? How are they going to clean that up? So there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of questions. Sure. And um, going back to Salida for a second, sure. uh, as we know, Salida is the town we know and love and live in. Salida, Colorado, all three of us, our little team are on the rails yep. team. Yeah, um, on the rails and, team. And Salida originally was a railroad town. That's why it's here. It was a turning yep. station, right? It was a place. Right. It was crew changed. Crew changed here. Crew change and they turned they had a turning thing that turned the the and we had a Y out here. Right. We wide we wide the engines, yeah. Right. And, and that went on uh, throughout the history of Salida until, I guess, the late 70s or early 80s when they right. shut that down. And at that time, Salida almost became a ghost town. And then uh, artists moved in sort of a whole hippy dippy trippy scene here in the 80s, which people uh, think about with love and affection, especially Rick love Ryan and affection, here, yes. who was actually here at that time as a young man and um, and then, um, as we know, the town grew uh, because of its beautiful location by the Arkansas River and hiking trails. And then the mountain biking industry, part of it originated here with a gentleman that created a mountain bike prototype here. And, and there's a whole story around that. But at any rate, Salida has come from the ashes to be a very, very popular tourist location. So where those railroad lines go along the river, which is right by the town, you know, the town abuts the river. It used to be that the houses that were along those train tracks were very small and very people that didn't have a lot of money lived down there because the trains were going through all the time. Exactly. It was dirty from the trains and noisy. And those same pieces of property are now have a bunch of million dollar homes on them because they're by yes. the river. And people are even building homes on the other side of the tracks. Yeah. It's now this ritzy ditzy kind of area so far from what it was during the train days. And now they're talking about bringing trains back through. And I just think to myself, all those people with those million dollar homes and the, I, I, I just can't see everybody going yay to the... <laughs> To trains coming through Salida again. What's your thought on that, Forrest? Well, especially at 25 miles an hour, <clears throat> which we mean, I mean, that's top speed. It probably a lot of it's going to be lower than that. So say you got, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 cars. It's got to, it's got to, first of all, they'll have to probably do a complete stop at the yard limit before they even start pulling through. So you could be talking Oh, I don't know. I could be wrong here, but 25 minutes, 20 minutes while you're sitting there saying, how do I get across these railroad trails? You don't. You wait till it clunk, clunk, clunks by, you know, and I, I can see and that. How many trains a day are they talking about coming through Salida? If that well, it depends on who you're talking to. If the Solovev family has their way, there'll be times of the year where there'll be almost none or maybe one. But then during the grain harvest itself, oh gosh, you could be talking a dozen trains a day. 
So it's, it, yeah, so, yeah, I know. You know, it's, you know, and I will say, I, I can say this as an Italian-American myself, yeah. but during those years when the trains were coming through all the time, who lived down by those tracks were the Italian-American immigrants. The Italian immigrants, that's, that's who, yes. Yes, there's quite a bit of prejudice in those days against oh, yes. the Italian-Americans. So I can't imagine, given that now it's prime property, to start putting all that noise and dirt back in that area again. People are going to go nuts about that, I yeah. think. And there's a number of things that I've just kind of been watching this along. And uh, the Browns Canyon National Monument was not a thing. Um, I think it's been up there less than five years, a, a national monument designation of that beautiful Browns Canyon. And uh, I, I, the uh, Surface Transportation Board is, they're going to get a lot of pushback a lot of pushback and it hasn't gotten to the point where they've needed to push back yet, but they take many more steps in that direction. It's gonna become very much a topic of conversation in this valley. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then there's on the other side, the thought that we could get a passenger train on there. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? And, and, you know, it almost makes up for it unless you live close to the tracks, which case it would not make up for it. Yeah. But if well, you don't yeah. live close to the tracks, boy, wouldn't that be something? And I heard, Forrest, you've talked about this, the the old station that we used to have here in Salida was supposed to be gorgeous. It was like a Art Deco. It was Deco, gorgeous. Right? It was Art, art Deco. Well, and actually they, Art Nouveau, but yeah, yeah. And they, you know, they tore it down and all. And I thought, what what a wonderful fantasy it would be to have passenger rail out of Salada oh, yeah. and rebuild that station to uh, to reflect its its original design would be so special, you know, to do that. And, and they that. can do that. Well, and we still, we had a gentleman on this show um, uh, talking about what he hoped we might do with the old engine repair shop. Now that's across the river, still intact. It's been mucked up some by a uh, they leased it for a while to a company that uh, bagged uh, limestone there. And um, so they built a oh, um, couple of elevators and things in there. But basically, it's still the same. It still has the same Claire story. It still has a great big um, crane that goes the length of the building up high on uh, four wheels, you know, the, with a hook that comes down. I mean... Um, it's a big building. Some go take a look at it sometime, uh, and um, it certainly could be used for well, I don't know different show. You could I mean, you hate to say it, but it could have automobiles in it. It could have trucks in it, highway trucks. It could have a lot of different big vehicle kind of shows could could be in there, and um, so I don't know. It's a thought. I, uh, yeah. Forrest and I spoke at a, a recent town council meeting yes. about that building and how we feel like it should be saved. It's thought of as an eyesore by some people of this community. And uh, jokingly, I was thinking in the back of my mind, and I didn't say this at the meeting, but I jokingly, I said, or they could put bunk beds in there to alleviate the housing crisis oh, that we have going on in this town. Oh, no. I'm glad you didn't say it. 
Oh, that's such a, it's such a big deal. One of, just to make a plug, one of the other great podcasts that we have coming out of Cahen here in Salida these days is the Chafee Housing Report, which um, is a show that really addresses and talks about what the problems are with housing, which are extreme here and in other mountain communities, but also talks about the potential fixes for it. Um, And we've had some incredible guests on that show talking about other places that have kind of dealt with this problem and how they Um, And uh, that show is a treasure trove of information on our valley and outside of our valley, really the whole mountain community, how how we're dealing with with that housing crisis. But it's not like bringing the crews up from Mexico during World War II, where you just house them in the in the boxcars forest. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really not have oh, good although, housing for people, you know. Although and, some of them do, do spend in the boxcars. We, I understand it anyway, up, up in Leadville, so I, I don't know. Uh, that would be a cold, cold night in a boxcar in Leadville, but I guess some of them do, How you, you know. Possibly. Lead feels so cold. Oh my god. So word. cold. But and you know, even Leadville, uh, I was just talking to a gentleman yesterday who lives in Leadville in the summer. He's actually moving to Salida, but right now he comes just once a once every month to build his client base. And he's living in Leadville and a friend of his home in Leadville. And Leadville is getting priced out. People are getting priced out of Leadville now. All it used to Leadville. be the where workers lived who worked on the other side of the mountain, copper and the other side of the mountains, right? From Leadville, not our side, but the other side. And now they can't afford to live in Leadville anymore. So it's incredible. And, and the other thing about that is back in the day, the passenger trains would run no matter how deep the snow, no matter how windy the wind, they would still run. Even when uh, Route 24 was closed, even when uh, Tennessee Pass was closed, even when Leadville was closed, 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 closed with wind and snow, somehow they would manage to keep hauling freight through there and hauling a passenger train through there. So, you know, that's something to think about. Forrest, we don't have that much more time left, but I wanted to take the opportunity here to thank you for doing this great work for four years. It's been a pleasure and an honor to be part of your team, to be up underneath you and and allow for all of your knowledge and stories and, and fun. I mean, you're just such a great personality to allow this to come to the airwaves, not just for our own county, but for for everyone all over the world. I just want everybody to know, I I know we've said it many times before, how special our Forrest Whitman is. He is a a treasure of our community. And Forrest has, as we all know, been county commissioner. It was Gilpin, right? Gilpin? Gilpin County. Uh, I don't know how much on the show you've talked about the fact that you actually lived in a caboose for a number of years. With my wonderful, loving wife, Frances Black. Frances and I I lived in that, well, until she got tired of it and moved to Salida. (laughs) Uh, Not tired of me, just a little bit tired of the caboose. 
but living yeah. in the caboose. I mean, how many yeah. people can claim to have lived in a caboose? That's really amazing. Anyway, we love you and we're so glad you're here in Salida and that you share yourself with us. Thank you. And for many years to come, hopefully we'll do our show and, and keep this caboose on the tracks. Very now nice. I'm going to now I'm going to be crying <laughs> or <laughs> blushing or blushing and crying. Both. My goodness. So nice to have you for a guest, Leslie, and thank you for doing this. And uh, I shared earlier that Forrest and I sat in with one of Cahen's other DJs, seasoned DJ Dave Ward, yesterday afternoon. And one of the, it was what I call train songs and musings, and it was just a delight to do. And one of the songs I uh, put on uh, comes from Steve Gillette, and the song is called He's Got Railroad Written All Over Him. <laughs> well, that's definitely Forrest. <laughs> he has railroads well, over him, and you're still writing. Great. You're still writing, right? For Colorado. Oh yes, yeah, I still write. And Colorado Central Magazine is um, one of the one of the outfits I write for, and they have come a long ways from the day when Ed Quillen and I would go stomping around, not to say anything. Ed, who is you know, long ago, caught the westbound, but 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 Ed just uh, we he would just kind of put that thing together on some cheap paper and send it out. And what it's now professional, it's glossy, it's Colorado Central Magazine. In closing. Uh, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Forrest. Uh, I want to encourage the uh, people who are listening to this uh, very rare in this country railroad show. Uh, I know that you are listening through to it most likely through khen.org, and we have a support button. We can always use your help to keep this community station alive in the way that we want. Punch that button. Highball to that, right? Right, highball. Who's going to say highball to, to, cl to close us out? We're, I turned the markers around. We've damped down the coal stove. Where I think, don't you think our the, the real genius behind this show, starting in the first place, was Leslie. She's Leslie a little embarrassed Matthews. about that. It was Leslie who said, no, 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 we're going to make this show happen. And she did. And she got the rest of us on board. So thank you, Leslie. Thank you, uh, Leslie. All right, here we go. We're going to do one, two, three, high ball. I'm ready. That's it. One, two, three, high, high ball. High ball. Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner.